Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels, and our guest this week, we've got Jeremy Smith back on the show. Jeremy's, Jeremy's from uh, over in that Brainerd Lakes area. He works at Linder Media. He's been uh, you know, just a, a, a real pillar in the Midwest fishing industry for a long time, working over at Linder Media, producing all kinds of great content there. And uh, he's uh, fishing all the time, so... What I enjoy about talking to somebody like Jeremy, or Jeremy specifically, is for one, he's just a really great guy. He's very well-spoken, and he fishes a lot. So uh, he's got all kinds of great experiences and stories to reflect on. And, and you know, for a living, you know, he gets to travel around and fish some really cool places. So it really just kind of adds to it. And he's got some really, he's got really great perspective on a lot of things. And for this interview... You know, I just want to talk to Jeremy about some of uh, his more interesting fishing experiences recently and just kind of poke and prod on some of those things and and just kind of figure out what's really interesting to him nowadays and just kind of talk about it. And it's fun. You know, we, we talk a lot about suspended uh, walleye fishing right away. Uh, you know, we sprinkle in a little forward sonar conversation. That's always popular. Jeremy's got some great perspective and just and just some great talkers on that. Um, and then another really popular topic uh, this time of year, you know, revolves around bug hatches. And Jeremy, he's done a lot of fishing for a lot of different species this time of year over you know a, a long career. And I think that he's just got great stories to reflect on, great experiences to reflect on, and, and a lot of knowledge uh, that we can all take a lot away from as it pertains to, uh, you know, fishing the dog days of summer where the bug hatches are happening and the food is so abundant. It's the time of year where there's so much food anywhere that you fish. Uh, but we, we talk a lot about, you know, just a lot of the, the classic Midwest inland lakes that, uh, you know, are experiencing bug hatches this time of year and all your shoreline forage species, all the young of the year uh, uh, fish and the fry uh, are becoming a size, a palatable size to the bigger game fish. And it's to the point now where a lot of the you know walleyes or northerns um, you know, bass, whatever species you like to fish for, the big game species like crappies even, like it's to the point now where there's so much food in the system that they can essentially swim around with their mouth open and it feels like uh, they can do no wrong. And so, you know, what what do we have to do as anglers uh, to be more successful and just some of the ideas and and things to try and, and uh, you know, the perspective to have going out on a day of fishing this time of year and what it takes to be successful. And I think part of it is, you know, like we'll talk about in this episode from Jeremy, just talking about, you know, where to look for fish and being in the right areas because fish definitely move around this time of year. And uh, they definitely move around to, you know, the most suitable habitat, the most comfortable portion of the water column. You know, where's the temperature? Where's the oxygen? Where's the food? All kind of coming together. And, um... You know, it, it's less about structure and more just about looking for fish uh, and the fish activity. And we talk about presentations that work this time of year, but it's also, you know, part of it is we got to adjust our expectations too. You know, the the dog days of summer for so many of us, it, you know, the expectations for a good day, it's not the same as it would be in the spring, for example, or early summer. It's not the same as it would be in the fall for so many of us. Um, and, and that's, I'm not even being specific to say walleyes. I mean, this is, uh, 
you know, really a lot of whatever species you go after, there's a lot of a lot of this conversation pertains. Um, and, you know, I get a lot out of these conversations talking to somebody like Jeremy that has so much experience. You just can't deny a good conversation. There's just a lot to take away from. Uh, with Jeremy and yeah just a really really fun time getting caught up listening to some stories getting some great perspective on some very timely fishing information so without further ado let's get to it we've got Jeremy Smith Uh, we're talking suspended walleyes forward sonar bug hatches all the above let's get to it this episode is brought to you by Devil's Lake North Dakota Devil's Lake is one of North Dakota's premier outdoor recreational destinations And to find out more about what the lake and the community of Devil's Lake has to offer, head to devilslakend.com. That link is in the description. Fishing-wise, what's your uh, most recent update? Let's just get updated uh, to start it off. Yeah, well, we've been kind of running, you know, this spring, and I think for everybody it was kind of weird because we didn't have it. It just went from snow on the ground, snowstorms in April to... You know, about a week of transition, it seemed like, and then uh, it was it was summer. So um, things just, uh, you know, snuck up pretty quick. And it was kind of a, you know, a different spring, but really good fishing, I would say, overall. You know, it's, it's been pretty good. So, you know, in Minnesota here, we have that, you know, we, we still have a closed season. So um, it is, in, in one regard, it's nice because it, it forces you to fish panfish more, which I really enjoy pan fishing. So that's been, uh, that was a really good start to the season, fishing crappies and gills and then of course the bass and walleye season opens and take advantage of that and it's been muskies but the last few weeks have been running we were over in wisconsin for st croix's um, uh, customer appreciation day which was a really fun event they were celebrating 75 years so that was super fun because there's a lot of great anglers there so i had a good weekend interacting with them and went right from there up to uh, q lake in manitoba a place that i'd never been before but i know jason was there um in the not so distant past. Um, and, uh, that, that was a really cool, cool fishery. Got on a really cool walleye bite, which we can dive into a little bit, really saw the transition happening. We had weather in the nineties up there and started seeing fish go from, you know, six feet of water and that dirty water and weeds out to, uh, catching them then suspended five feet down over, you know, 15 to 35 feet, you know, as they started to move out and eat, eat more, more fish out there. And then from there, we had uh, an event on Leech Lake, one's ultimate fish camp, which was another really great learning experience. And we chatted a little bit earlier about bug hatches and uh, the mayflies were just starting to go there. So that was a collection of really great anglers and definitely some people that are at the top of their game in terms of live or forward facing sonar and, you know, getting some of the observations from those guys. That was musky fishing, but we had uh, a lot of guys fishing walleyes and a number of guys fishing bass. And, you know, it seemed like regardless of what you're fishing for, everybody kind of had the same, same results. So that was kind of a cool deal. And then from there, I ran up to uh, Eagle Lake in uh, Northwest Ontario and fished muskies for a few days. And that was just, uh, just an exceptional trip, which it usually is this time of year and kind of a busy last few weeks. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, you mentioned Q Lake Lodge and, and, you know, that just sounded kind of interesting. If, if you can maybe even just share some of that experience and talk about that transition, just talk about the fishing and what you witnessed there. That sounds pretty interesting talking about that, you know, that post spawn shallow bite and then being, you know, being on a body of water that's, that's got big fish that you can see and observe and fish for as they transition into a different pattern. I think that's really cool. And there's got to be a lot of learning going on there. Tell me about that. 
Yeah, there, there really is, you know, and, and there's always learning. I, it's one of my favorite parts of the job is going to new water and exploring, especially Canadian water. I mean, the, the waters are vast, the fish get big, they're, they're plentiful. So it's a, it's a great opportunity to learn. So, um, we ended up showing up kind of a midday, midday time frame, and, uh, Having never been there, the you know the lodge owner just recommended there's basically two lakes that are easily accessible with the boat that we had, and you know they just said you know this lake, not Q Lake, the other the other lake was uh, the better walleye fishery. So we just kind of made our way down there, and you know it's not maps, so you just kind of start looking around. And you're like, well, it's early June, let's you know there's some sand on the beach there. Usually, if there's sand, there's weeds. So go check that out, and you know, pull in, and it's all of a sudden doubles every cast of walleyes, and they weren't big walleyes, but it was good, good action, you know. So it was like, oh, this is this is pretty cool. We gotta we gotta start looking now. You know, tomorrow we started hitting weeds and really had some incredible fishing for you know good eater sized fish to a little bit better than eater sized fish, and and uh, so the next day, like, well, let's kind of let's let's you know let, let's expand on that a little bit more. There's still a lot of the lake to look at, and so we pulled into an area we'd done well at uh, the day before, and of course, there's no fish there, you know, as it would be. But it's all of a sudden the the high today is 92 degrees in northern Manitoba, so we started looking at uh, some of those rock structures adjacent to those weedy areas, and sure enough, you know, there was a lot of fish there and the fish seemed to take a, a step up on those, on those spots. And, and so that was a good day of, you know, good day of fishing, just hitting a lot of rock points, not necessarily out on the main lake reefs, but shoreline related stuff. And then the, the last day was the, was the more interesting or the third day, I should say, in that uh, there was a lot of big fish showed up and this is the magic of forward facing sonar and this we just would not have caught fish without that technology we would have caught fish we would not have caught the big fish but you would see these big marks you know two to five feet down and they could be over 35 feet of water adjacent to these points and you would throw at them and you'd get bit and they were you know 25 26 28 inch walleyes you know and those are that's just amazing to me those are fish that we never really knew were there and and as you you know, use some of that technology, you'll, you'll realize that even if you're driving around exploring, now I've, I have my transducer on my trolling motor. So I'll put that down. And as I'm, as I'm searching areas, you know, looking with side imaging and, and 2D, but what we've learned so much is that there might be bait all over right on the surface. But by the time your boat gets to that bait, they either flush off to the side or they'll go down. So in so many cases, we'll be like, oh, there's bait here that's 15 feet down. Well, the reality is that bait was right on the surface. You just scared the fish to be 15 feet down. So in your, your head then, you've got that, well, we need to be fishing in that 15-foot range because that's where the bait is. But now having the ability to look ahead and see where the fish actually are, not where they you know, were with your 2D, you, can, uh, you, you start to adjust your presentations and there's a lot of big fish that, whether it's walleyes, smallmouth, muskies, big pike, that just love being near the surface, chasing, you know, it's, it's just a great edge. Like Dick Pearson used to always talk about edges, and that, that surface is a great edge that all kinds of big fish big fish use. So that was, that was really fun, seeing those fish show up. And on day one, there were not fish using those structures. But after those two days in the 90s, the fish had pushed out, and they were on the basin, uh, suspended over those those deep rock points. 
you know, talking about that, you know, even you just wrapping that up, I'm just curious, you know, like what were you guys throwing when you're, when you are seeing fish that are that high or that close to the, to the surface of the water and you're spying them on forward sonar and you're putting all those pieces to the puzzle together, like, how are you choosing your presentation? I mean, are, you know, do you, do you feel like you you got to throw something that, you know, they got to chase it all the way to the bottom kind of a deal, like like a glide bait, heavy glide bait kind of conversation? Because there's always a lot of that right now with forward sonar. Or when they're mm-hmm. up high, uh, those Canadian fish, are you throwing just a jig and a salted minnow? Like, like how did you guys kind of have some success there? Well, you know, just back to the jig, you know, like the most versatile fishing tool of all time is definitely the jig. So we, um, you know, started out just as a search tool. There's a lot of rock and we're fishing rock and weed. So I was just fishing a quarter ounce moon eye jig with a four inch, uh, big bite makes this sensation uh, minnow. It's a four inch minnow. It's a slim profile, but it's scented. And I, at the, we started playing with this stuff as soon as it came out. And it really is an amazing Canadian bait, but that, to a quarter ounce jig with a minnow profile is just so versatile. You can go fish that snap jigging it in a couple feet of water or, you know, fish it out deep. So uh, I really wasn't experimenting because that's such a, a, a versatile tool. So really what it was, if you saw those fish out deep and they were near the surface, it was cast beyond them, put your, basically your arms over your head, keep it, keep it high. And then just basically real slow. And you're almost penduling them the bait back and they would just, you know, it's amazing how keen the fish are and how aware they are of what's in the water. And they just just come up and crack it. So looking back, I probably would have um, used a bigger paddle tail. So we weren't, the fish didn't seem to be that interested in baits falling. They wanted it near the surface and they wanted it kind of moving slow in a horizontal plane, more so than anything moving vertically. But that's just what we did. And, and you know, that this, that the implications of that whole deal, like you look at the boat is filled with everything you can imagine from spinners and crankbaits and, you know, jigging wraps and rip it, all this technology. It's like you come up here and I, I used one lure the whole time and it worked in four feet of water and it worked in 35 feet of water and it shows up well on this technology. And it's just, you know, it's kind of one of those things you go, well, you know, it's a, a really versatile tool like that can catch fish in just about every environment. Oh yeah. And like the other thing too, that, you know, is relatable to any of these forward sonar suspended walleye conversations is like, you know, in that scenario, the, for that specific fishing experience for you, what was your batting average? Like how many fish were you seeing at a time? How far apart were they spaced out? And then when you found them and you were making decent casts on these fish, like what was your batting average for getting bites? Well, I mean, on that particular day, it was pretty good. I mean, and this can change, obviously, by the hour. Um, but, you know, I would say that uh, probably 75% of the fish bit um, that you would see. And, and, of course, that depends on, you know, your angle and, and, and those types of things. So, I mean, you kind of learn that sometimes, like, if you make a bad cast and you're coming across the fish wrong, you can spook the fish or they just, you know, you're just, you all of a sudden you get too close. But when you, when you make the right cast, the distances, everything's right. I mean, it's, they were, they were on and they were, they were biting it. It was, it was pretty, pretty good. So I think the times we missed, it was more so operator error and not being lined up right or making the cast uh, short or inappropriate or something like that, you know? Right on. And that's going to happen regardless because yeah. there's no, there's no, there's no, 
perfect way to do it. I mean, there's there's obviously room for error, not just human error, but also like, man, you got to stare at those fish for a long time if you want to know exactly what way they're facing, exactly, you know, um, in that pinpoint precision. But so that's probably about as good a batting average as you could ask for. But you're also we're also talking about that like classic feed bag fish that's post-spawn the first couple of hot days of the year metabolism is just getting cranked and you know in a manitoba uh, body of water that far north where the growing season is short it's not like those fish don't know that i mean they're ready to eat so yeah and it's another good reason to go up there on malax lake or leech lake right where they get a lot of pressure this is a total that was a totally different program yeah big dumb big dumb fish and definitely a reason to uh, uh, a not so subtle sell here, but another reason to be thinking about going to Manitoba to go fishing because it's that much fun. It is. Yep. I always tell people if you uh, you want to be a good fisherman, just go to Canada and you're automatically good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, man, I think that's a great story. I mean, we're literally breaking down a very like specific kind of an isolated fishing experience, but I think a lot of learning comes from that. You know, I mean, that's really when you look back on it, so, sometimes you look at your, you know, your 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 body of work as an angler and you can kind of see and track how you learned and develop skills. But it really comes down to like significant experiences, like when light bulbs go off and you just you just never forget it. You never forget that first time when, you know, you were just you really had that impression on. Uh, you know, whatever it was, a pattern, uh, you know, a, 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 a cadence, a time of year, you found a spot, you found fish or just whatever it is, like whatever it is that you learned that was, that, um, produces for you, you know, the rest of your career it really comes down to those like specific, you know, situational experiences, I think, um, mm-hmm. and th- that, you know, we call them the fun, the memories, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, I, I just, yeah, I appreciate stories like that because I get a lot out of it and it helps paint the picture a little bit more, but there is another topic, like a bigger topic that I kind of want this show to be captioned as, uh, that I kind of want us to, I want to pick your brain on or just stories again, as much as possible. Um, and that is like this time of year fishing across the Midwest, Canadian waters, like this, this topic knows no bounds this time of year. Um, and, and it's really like that bug hatch conversation. Now we're never going to be able to cover every single cool sort of wormhole that we could go down in this. So we'll have to pick and choose kind of what we talk about in stories, but the, the topic of like bug hatches and, uh, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, the summertime, bug hatches we get into the month of july and you know the bait fish um you know or the young of the year fish are are starting to become an edible size uh to you know you go you drive across a lake anywhere you know in the midwest i'm thinking like even where you're from like the brainerd lakes area or all you know all the northern minnesota waters whatever where you know, you do, there, there's no shortage of food for these fish that we're trying to fish for. We're trying to coax them into biting our lures this time of year, regardless of what we're using. Um, you know, we're competing with just like millions of pounds of biomass that is totally edible and good for them to eat. So why why choose our lures? And that's definitely, you know, everybody has their opinions or their experiences or, you know, based on the lake that they fish. But for you, you're an industry guy. You fished a lot of water. You got to have some stories or some opinions on this. You've, you know, you, you fish with a lot of great fishermen. So you've probably had some great conversations. And that's what I'm interested in is like, you know, this time of year when it when when we're entering what can be called the dog days of summer, 
and there's just, uh, you know, things can get tough. Bug hatches is a part of that conversation. I'd love to just kind of pass that on to you and just kind of, you know, we'll just get it rolling however, wherever you want to start it, wherever you think is the most relevant in this conversation of like the bug hatches this time of year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, boy, the, where to start? Because I've been fascinated with this topic for a long time. But I'll share, talk about, we'll keep on walleyes for just a second here. And this was a, a big eye opener to me a number of years ago. A buddy of mine, his name is Jason Jewett. He lives in Dryden, Ontario. And I was up fishing on Eagle. I happened to be musky fishing, but he was walleye fishing. And uh, it was the peak of the big mayflies hatching, right? And uh, this guy, he's just a great, great walleye fisherman. And uh, came in, he'd come out that afternoon, came in that evening, and uh, kind of swapped stories. And he was just like, oh, man, you know, the, the walleye bite was just totally insane. You know, there's hundreds and hundreds of fish um, out in front, not in the weeds, but like out in front of the, in the weeds in like that 10-foot mud. And that's where the mayflies were coming from. You'd see the, you know, the husks on the surface the next morning. That's where the big bug hatch was. And it's an area that I don't think most people would go through and say, oh, yeah, I'm just going to fish like right in the middle of this muddy bay in 10 feet of water. You would naturally go fish the rock point or go fish the weeds. But the walleyes were in the middle where the where their mayflies were coming up. So of course, he, he was just wailing on them with small leeches and little chunks of crawler. Uh, just whatever, ever as fast as you could catch walleyes, basically, and some really nice ones. And uh, there was muskies in that same area as well. But the next morning, I'd gone out at sunrise musky fishing, came back in. I said, I said, are you going to go? Are you all come you're not out fishing? He's like, oh, I don't know. I'm just going to hang out. He's like, it's just not worth it until evening. You know, he's like, I was like, really? He's like, well, I mean, I could go out on the rocks and catch some fish. There's just not that many there. But he understood that. There is this abundance of food, and that food is available at sunset. That's when those bugs start crawling out of the mud, and they come to the surface and metamorphosize, right? So there was a window, and those fish are feeding super heavy. And though those fish were still there during the day, they were nearly impossible to catch. So because they had been eating so much, it's just like anything. Like, But he, he wasn't sitting there beating his dummy. He knew that that was the deal. So... Rather, you know, you can, I guess what I'm getting at is you can, once you get in tune with that, you can know when those windows happen and then you can switch your, your fishing opportunities knowing that maybe I should fish rocks, go to fish wallers, or maybe it's a better smallmouth bite during the day, or maybe I should go musky fishing on a lake like that. But knowing that there's those windows when it happens. So you could be out there all day during a bug hatch and be super frustrated and think, man, fishing sucks. But then the fish know when the, when the food becomes available and they get turned on and they start biting. So to me, that was a really cool thing for somebody to just have that confidence and knowledge of, okay, this is just, this is just how it works, man. It's like I've done this enough and I know how it works. So I, I thought that was a really cool experience. Devil's Lake, North Dakota is one of North Dakota's premier outdoor recreational destinations. We talk about the fishing all the time on this show, but to find out what the lake and the community has to offer, which is way more than we ever talk about on this show, you can head to devilslakend.com and get all that. We're talking about the lodging and restaurant options and just the lay of the land and everything going on in the community. There's all kinds of stuff all summer long going on in and around the community of Devil's Lake. Also, our favorite 
the fishing tab. It's going to give you real-time fishing reports, directions to fish cleaning stations and boat landings and shore fishing piers, which are awesome, by the way. Also, it's going to give you a list of options for boat rentals or guide services and bait shops. Everything that you need to plan your next adventure in Devil's Lake is at devilslakend.com. That link is in the description of this podcast. You know, generally speaking, and the average walleye angler in the summertime, you're right. We wouldn't be looking. We would only be looking on one side of our side imaging, and that would be the weed line. Or, you know, mm-hmm. like like we're, you know, when you start talking about basin fishing or getting over soft bottom in the summertime, especially when you're talking like, you know, just your standard inland, uh, you know, inland lake anywhere in the Midwest. Um, you know, I mean, we've learned a lot from you know, what walleyes can do out on the Great Lakes, for example. And, you know, you think Mm -hmm. about like, you know, these bigger bodies of water, but to make it relatable to these smaller lakes, I think that that happens a lot. I think that when we're, a lot of times we're just potentially just not close to the fish populations because we're still thinking about weeds or we're just not fishing in the right area. It, Mm -hmm. it, It doesn't even necessarily have to do with, um, you know, the bite window is kind of like the next stage of learning, but yeah, like, like being in the summertime and realizing that walleyes, you know, love to get off of that structure, uh, you know, it necessarily, they're just going where the food is, you know, oh, exactly. they're, they're comfortable anywhere in the water. I mean, they're comfortable <laughs> yeah. living anywhere in the water, especially if they're a certain size where they aren't necessarily worried about being a prey animal, uh, fish anymore. Like, man, you know, everything you just said about finding those fish not necessarily pinned to the structure in fact when you do find them pinned to the structure it's almost like they're just resting it's almost like they're just hanging out sure they're digesting but anyways anything along those lines i think is just super fascinating and great and just even just like you said depicting any of those experiences that jump out at you in your career where you had a few light bulbs going off um or, or just some things that you've learned over the years to just be more successful with big game fish this time of year yeah i mean the other cool thing that um you know it's you know coming back to the fish just being in different places like you know what we would consider to be open water you know just going out what seems like the middle of the lake um there's another opportunity for really big walleyes and muskies and you know sometimes big pike too but um i really enjoy that uh open water fishing i do a lot of trolling uh, out in open water and one of the observations I've had with this, a lot of people just think uh, the, the bug hatches being, you know, the big mayflies, like that's the hatch. But there's all kinds of small invertebrates, right, that hatch. You know, there's all kinds of mid, midge hatches. And I'm, I don't know all of the, you know, I don't, I don't know about all of the, the bugs. But one observation I've had is that, you know, typically uh, um, the, in many lakes, not all lakes, but in many lakes, you can go through those basins throughout the day and there's just really nothing out there. Cisco's are deep. All the bait appears to be deep. There might be some smaller minnows near the surface, but really no big fish out there. But, you know, as it gets later in the day, you often see the Cisco's or you see life start to rise and you'll see it on your 2D sonar, your traditional sonar as well. You'll see the bottom start to get fuzzy and it'll rise, 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 rise. And one of the observations I've had, of course, it's not always true, but usually it it happens is that a lot of times those invertebrates will make their way from the bottom 
up to about the thermocline. And uh, if they kind of stay at the thermocline, they don't get uh, above that. They're not going to they're not going to come up and, and hatch or metamorphosize into a, uh, a different life stage. They, the fishing usually isn't that great. But if they do come through the thermocline and they are gonna, they're going to make their way to the surface, it's like, boom, the basin just shows up. It's like the sun is just about to hit the trees. You're not seeing anything. And it's all of a sudden big targets start, start showing up all over the place. Well, the Cisco's, it's like the Cisco's start making their way up. They're breaking the surface. So, all of the, this, this whole thing happens, and it's only in like a really short window of time. So I've seen a lot of people talk about open water fishing and be like, uh, you know, man, I've tried this. I've never had any luck. There's nothing out there. So much of that is just timing. And it's like if you get the right night, you know, it's that, it's that hour before sunset to, you know, 45 minutes after sunset when the basin can just be alive with life. Big walleyes are biting. There's muskies out there biting. There's all kinds of stuff happening. And then, you know, shortly after dark, it's it's over. So that's been a, a really fun thing to just spend some time learning and seeing. And, and uh, not that you ever want to be discouraged, but there's nights when you just know you're just not seeing the bugs start to make their way up. And it's like you kind of have that feeling like we're just not going to catch tonight. And it's not that the fish aren't necessarily biting. It's we're, we're just, you know, the way we're set up right now, they're not here. So there's certain things that will bring those fish to those locations, um, whether it's in 30 feet or 130 feet. As you look through the open water season, it's it's definitely one of the big mysteries. It's definitely one of the, the whether it happens for a week on your body of water or for some of us it happens for a month or sometimes it's kind of a, a reoccurring just you know, just we get multiple bug hatches or whatever it is, but like mm-hmm. it's definitely, you know, whenever it happens on some of our lakes on, until fall shows up and those fish are, are, are more predictable again, or those patterns sort of firm up. Like it's definitely like any success that we can figure out this time of year is just that much more rewarding. And so mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's true. And so I, I agree with you. Like I'm obsessed with it as well on my own bodies of water that I'm fishing. Like I'm definitely trying to figure that stuff out. Like in July and August, I just feel like these are just really fun conversations to have that way. And it's just because it's so rewarding to have success. Like, Oh man, you know? Yeah, for sure. And you know what? And this is, this is one, I don't mean this to sound negative, but I, I, I want it to be realistic. So Coming back to that, uh, I was telling you about we were at that ultimate fishing camp that Lund Boats puts on on Leech. Um, there's a really, really, really good collection of anglers there. You've got the leisure outdoors guides there that uh, are incredibly, incredibly, I mean, they're just really dialed anglers on that lake. And, and a number of other Lund pros, I mean, Jeff Gustafson, the Bassmaster Classic champions there, the mayflies were hatching. And I mean, there's years when it's just the guys slam. But you looked at this huge, I mean, we were all singing the blues. It's not that we didn't catch fish, but it wasn't like anybody there was just going, oh man, we just completely murdered them. And it was tough fishing for everybody. And that, I mean, you're, you're putting some of the top anglers in the Midwest focused on a body of water they're extremely familiar with, and they know the shallow bite. They know the open water bite. They know the deep bite. They know every presentation that there is, and they're around hundreds of fish. I mean, Tony Roach is saying that, you know, I'm, I'm th- there's 50 fish in this school and I'm throwing everything I got, you know, every third pot of 50, we get one. 
you know, so it's, it's, it's not like you're going to go out and have, have success all the time. And, and, you know, there's probably discoveries to be made yet that we don't know about. And, you know, next year or five years down the road, we might be talking about how, when that situation, situation happens, somebody's cracked the code on how to make those fish go nuts. But at this point in time, you know, we've still got some learning to do in, in some of those situations where food is so abundant, they're just hard to get to bite. Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's like, I think naturally it happens anyways, but, but like we do have to, or we should, I think it's just good for our own like mental health to, to kind of adjust our expectations this time of year and just realize that if you're out there putting in the work, it's not necessarily the time of year where you're going to have like a 70 or an 80 fish day on, you know, like on a, on a, on, a, on like leak leech lake. Uh, mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to call your shots like you would say, you know, the week after opener, you know, when those fish are schooled up in shallow water feeding on shiners and it's like that super classic bite and you yeah. find them on side imaging. Yeah. Like I think a lot of bodies of water are similar to that where, you know, if you can put this pattern together and, um, you know, and, and, and the, the success will be sort of relative to you, the individual for sure. But for me, you know, on the lakes that I fish where this is a big thing for me in the summer and I'm looking for walleyes, you know, specifically, but, and and this is a multi-species deal for sure. But, um, when I'm looking for walleyes, like, yeah, like I, I'm not so much worried about catching my limit anymore, or I'm not even thinking about that as a number anyways. Like it's more so just like, if I can, if I can see some fish and catch them, you know, or if I can see some fish and, and, put a process together and have that success where there's like a certain level of consistency it might be like three you know sort of marquee bites that day i might catch like three 22 inches and that's like a phenomenal day for me you know like in, yeah in this yeah. yeah like totally you know and and i know that you know i haven't really had a decent conversation um about muskies recently i i, I definitely need to give the muskies a little bit more love but uh you know, before before we get too far in this conversation, where do they fit in this conversation? I know you've mentioned it before, um, but you know whether it's the musky guys or just the things that we're learning from, you know, the musky guys that are that are targeting fish on these sort of patterns this time of year. Like, where do they fit in all this conversation as far as patterns and you know this time of year and the bug hatches and the whole soft bottom basin bite? Like, that's kind of an interesting talker as well, isn't it? It is, you know, and uh, forward-facing sonar has changed that whole thing radically. So, you know, for years, um, you might get a little window after opener to target muskies when they're still shallow. An opener, I'm talking like Minnesota opener, um, you know, early June. And then uh, they, you know, before they just seemed to disappear. I mean, for decades, you know, throughout basically muskie angling history, like, well, they're not, there's really no fish around. And then they show back up and in July, well, those fish, you know, were going out into that open water in, in many lakes, not all lakes, but in, in many cases. And so those fish were out suspended over open water. And now with the technology that's available, you know, those fish are really easy to find in those open water, open water basins. So that has become a really peak window early June to mid-June, you know, basically from just after opener until early July, where there's a lot of fish they go out to sea and suspend and they're just, I mean, there's, if you start looking through those basins that time of year, there's, it's, there's a lot of Cisco's out there and most in a lot of the lakes, obviously some of the lakes don't have Cisco's, but 
there's, you know, if the lake doesn't have ciscos, there's perch, there's sunfish, there's all kinds of life that goes out there to take advantage of those bug hatches. And when, you know, you just, you just learn that big predators just like to be around food. So, um, the, the whole bug deal, you know, you're, you're talking about muskies and you're talking about tiny little bugs, but there's definitely a correlation to those two things. It's not that the muskies are eating the bugs, but everything else loves eating those bugs, the smaller bait fish, and it just goes all, all the way up the food chain. So there's a lot of, of good bites that happen in that open water and it's getting a lot of pressure now. And I'm, I just have to hit on this, that if people go do that with forward facing sonar, you know, please be really conscious of the fish that you're targeting. Cause there can be a lot of fish that are 25, 30 feet. And if you start casting baits at those fish, a lot of them can experience barrel trauma. They're coming from probably cooler water to warmer surface temps than the fish. I've just seen a lot of dead fish in recent years over those open water basins. And it's just uh, one of those things that, yeah, musky fishing's tough. You finally see one. If you throw to them and it's too deep, a lot of times they're really hard to release. And um, you should always have some type of a, uh, of a sending device in the boat. I'm not saying that's the answer to making uh, the, the fish survive. I don't know if they survive or not, but it's better than letting them float on the surface and have the, the gulls peck their eyes out. But, you know, just be really aware of the fish you're targeting. Try not to target deep fish, target the fish that are near the surface and, and be aware that those fish may have been in deep cold water, you know, just a few minutes before and try to handle them real quickly and get them back down in, in uh, the best you can. So right on, man, right on. That's, yeah, yeah. that's, that's, yeah, that's definitely good protocol, you know, just being conscientious and, and, and I think any more, you know, the modern day angler has definitely been receptive. I know the shows, the podcasts that we've done that, uh, you know, where we talk about some of that stuff or we kind of get into the science. So, you know, we have the, you know, the fishery special specialists or the biologists on like that type of information or the, you know, the, the, the sort of in-depth information that is, uh, you know, even beyond just catching a fish is definitely, you know, any more the modern angler loves hearing that stuff. And I think that if we can kind of have that sort of, uh, conservation mindset, especially when, when we're targeting fish like that, you know, we're, we're sort of intentionally fishing for a bigger fish that is a picture fish that is something that we're intending on releasing. It's not that hard. It's not a stretch. It's not a big ask to just be prepared and have good intentions. I think uh, if you can enter a, a, a situation with good intentions, you can get a lot done. You mm-hmm. know, you can, you can, I think that that's true. You know, you talk about big muskies and pike and big walleyes or, or a big, uh, you know, big smallmouth bass. Um, you know, whether they're coming out of deep water, um, or, uh, yeah, just that warm water and we're fishing light tackle to experience a, a, a fun fight, um, but just wearing those fish out and then they have a hard time. Um, you know, if it's legal in certain situations, you know, to let them rest in the live well a little bit, like something, they're just, Mm -hmm. if you have good intentions and you try, you exhaust all your options that you can think of in a lot of cases, I feel like it's true. You can get a lot done, even with those incidental catches. You know, it's like how often do you go out walleye fishing and then you catch, you know, a big pike or, or a muskie yeah. or whatever it yeah. is. Like everybody's got a story like that and we've all got the yeah, picture yeah. to go with it. But then, you know, you, we're, you know, historically, maybe we were unprepared, you know, just mentally, like we just didn't have the process down in our, in our own thoughts as to like what to do. And that fish didn't go back very good because we caught a big fish on like six pound mono. But I think yep. any more... I think any more, you know, just, um, 
you know, get that fish in whatever and, and do you do your best. I think, you know, there, there's less excuses nowadays for getting, yeah, you oh, know, for sure. with messages like yours, like what you just said, and just, just kind of being, having that in the front of your mind. But anyways, well, the last few minutes, maybe I'll ask you this, like, uh, you know, talk about the things that you've got coming up. Uh, maybe uh, that are interesting to you. You have any more trips this year that you're just really excited about, or just things that are coming up in your near future? Well, I don't know if you're going on this trip or not, but uh, I'm super stoked about this one. It's a spot I've wanted to go for a long time, and we are going to Tazan at the end of July. So I know that Jason is supposed to be coming in uh, on the on the plane that we're flying out on. So. Um, if anybody's looked at, uh, what's, what's going on up on Tazan Lake and that's just North of Lake Athabasca, um, pretty remarkable in terms of the size of the, the lake trout that are coming out of there. I mean, just truly giant, giant fish. So, you know, I, I love catching everything that swims. Muskies have a special place for me, but right behind them, I think lake trout are just, uh, an absolutely amazing fish. And they live in beautiful places, and I am just jacked to get up there to try to get our hands on one of those, you know. I mean, you can get a fish over 50 pounds there, for sure. Like, that is definitely a possibility, and that, that to me, just is going to be uh, uh, definitely a bucket list trip, and I, I can't wait to get up there. Yeah, man, that sounds... Yeah, I I know it's on our calendar, and as of right now, I believe I'm slated for that uh, for that trip. Oh, um, you gotta be Jack too. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and that's you know, <laughs> th- that, this is kind of an industry talk here, but like, I, I think anymore, like those are that's like probably the question I get the most, you know, just from whether it's friends or family or just people on the street uh, having a conversation about working in the fishing industry. It's like, where's your favorite place to fish, or what's your favorite thing to fish for? And for me, it's, it's Lake Trout. Like I love being behind the camera. I love all the experiences and opportunities I've had in the industry. But whenever anybody says, is it hard for you to film and not fish? I would say 99% of the time, I'm not that worried about it. I get plenty of opportunities to fish and I just love doing what I'm doing. But there are times usually revolving around a good Lake Trout bite where holding the camera starts to burn <laughs> it starts yeah. burning after a day after two days but when we go on these canadian trips and it's three or four days to film an episode you know usually usually we've got 99 percent of what we're gonna do done in a day and a half or two two days or whatever it is and mm-hmm. uh and jason has always been very generous for me and given me an opportunity to fish on those trips and it's because like yeah, sometimes I'm just eating my arm off after like three or four days of watching these fish, uh, you know, big fish get reeled in, and I just love the Lakers. So yeah, I as of right now, uh, like our schedules are always just so chaotic. But yeah, um, I know that we have that trip planned, and hopefully, hopefully it all works out. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely excited about that. That's oh, awesome. it's gonna be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, for sure. Cool. Cool, man. Well, that's good. I like that. I like I like getting a little bit of that. So we can always have, we have something to kind of maybe even maybe pay attention to your social media just in case you post a picture of a big Laker or just when that content pops out, uh, we'll we'll be kind of have a, have a be looking ahead uh, for that or or looking back on this. Uh, wishing you luck when you're up there, kind of a deal. But um, anyways, 
Yeah, dude. Well, we're doing really good on time. So, I mean, unless something else really pops in your head that you think is really relevant this time of year, maybe maybe you get some questions on social media that are really consistent, something that we should address that can be, you know, something totally different. Um, you know, other than that, man, I think we can wrap it up. Well, that's great. No, I mean, it was, this is, this is always fun. I love having these, uh, these conversations and it, uh, it is just an amazing, an amazing time of year to fish. So, you know, I guess just the one thing that I, I would say is just always be willing to look at, you know, different things. We talked about, you know, the, the bugs quite, a, quite a bit here, but, you know, oftentimes I just always tell people like, if, it, if it's not working, you really need to, to just have the confidence to, to know that like, this just isn't happening. Cause there are times when, I mean, just the fish just aren't biting or they're not biting very good with, you know, the fish you're fishing for where you at. So shift bodies of water. If you're on a big body of water, uh, move to another basin. It was just up on Eagle Lake. And that was a classic example of, uh, you know, I was fishing more of the, uh, a clear water basin, a few fish moving around conditions just didn't seem to be that great. And it's like, you know, I, I know there's some fish here. I know there's big fish here, but you know, I'm going to just pull the pin and I'm going to drive 25 miles down the lake to get into some darker water just because the conditions feel that good. And then bam, all of a sudden you're just on a, on a red hot, red hot bite, you know, in water that you don't necessarily know either. So that's just that what you, you really have to have confidence in that. And those are the, the decisions that can turn a trip around, move bodies of water, change locations on the lake, look for different, you know, basin depths or colors of water, because those, those ecosystems can be doing something totally different based on where you're, you know, where you're at on one body of water or just, you know, shifting to another lake. Yeah. I think that is excellent, excellent, excellent information that probably none of us are thinking half the time, you know, the average amateur like myself, you know, I go out with sort of an expectation or sort of a mission to accomplish in mind. And, uh, when, a more savvy angler like yourself would be able to pull the pin after 45 minutes. I'm just, I'm just starting to get into my rut real comfortably so that by the end of the day, I make sure that, uh, I haven't covered enough water. Then I can make sure that I haven't, uh, you know, made any adjustments and I'm just continuously beating my head against the wall. Like, I think that is, I think that is great, great information and uh, good information to end on. Cause we've got it, man. Um, that being said, dude, I, I appreciate all your time. And I just, you know, anytime that, you know, months go by and I haven't had you on, or we go through a fishing season and I haven't had you on, uh, you know, that's just when I'm starting to think, you know, gosh, I wonder if Jeremy's got a free minute here. or I wonder if Jeremy's got uh, next Friday off so that we could just do another one of these. So regardless of the topic, uh, you'll definitely be hearing from me again, probably, um, you know, here in, in a few months when we get into fall or maybe early ice. I know you like to get on the ice as well. Not that we're talking about that just yet, but uh, you'll definitely be hearing from me again down the road. Hopefully it works out again. Uh, uh, if not, I appreciate the time that you had for us today. So uh, promote your stuff. If anybody ever has any questions or wants to get a hold of you or just wants to take a peek at some of the content that you're involved in, um, let us know. Yeah, well, appreciate it. No, thanks for having me on. It's it's great, and uh, appreciate uh, all that uh, Jason Mitchell Outdoors does for for us. It's a uh, you know we 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 work together on a lot of things. Which is Angling Buzz is a is a project that's airing right now on the Valley Sports Network. We also put that on YouTube, so that's a really timely show that Leonard Media Productions does. We we film it the week that it's 
aired. So we're getting a lot of great content from around the Midwest of what's happening now. And then we also have our, our flagship product, which is Lindner's Angling Edge, uh, which is a multi-species sport fishing show. Uh, you know, Al James Lindner hosts that show and, and uh, really great, uh, great information there. We try to dive in depth on multi-species fishing in freshwater. And then we've got another series we do called Lundboat's Ultimate Fishing Experience. Really fun, fun uh, show to watch. You get to see some of the best one pros in their element doing different things. So I really enjoy that show because you might learn about stripers or a better way to fish blue catfish or or king salmon or, you know, of course, the traditional walleye bass, musky thing. But a lot of really neat stuff from guys who are specialized in their craft. And then uh, we do another show for Canada called the Canadian Experience and uh, travel around Canada exposing some of those amazing fisheries they have they have up there. So busy doing a lot of a lot of different fishing projects and uh, check any of those out. And uh, yeah, thanks for everybody who's listening and, and watching our stuff. Right on, man. That's all I got for you. Thank you for the time, Jeremy. And I honestly, I'll, I can let you go for real this time. Right on, man. Well, appreciate it. And hope uh, hope we get to shake hands uh, on the dock at Tazin, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if we're there after you, then yeah, you'll, we'll be uh, anxious to uh, hear the reports and see the pictures for sure. Yeah, right. So hopefully, right it's, uh, hopefully it's everything we hope it will be. So yeah, all right, thanks, yeah man. same, same. All right, we'll talk to you. All right, sounds good. See ya. Once again, this episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by Devil's Lake Tourism. Head to devilslakend.com. That link is in the description. And you're going to find out everything that the lake and the community of Devil's Lake has to offer before you plan your next adventure in Devil's Lake, North Dakota.